0: Okay, so we're holding by the actual Shmona Esrei, which in the regular Siddur is on page 50. Um, And as we mentioned many times, that everything really is a lead up to here. Shmona Esrei is the essence of davening, of prayer. Um, And whether it's chakras or mincha or mayrev or musaf, whatever tefillah it is, uh, according to halacha, according to basic halacha, the Shmona Esrei is the tefillah. That's, that's, the, that's the essence of davening. Um, and really everything is to prepare us, to bring us to that level. Um, and as we mentioned in the past, if someone only has a couple minutes, and that's really all that they have, whether it's chakras or mincha, then it's shimon asri. asri. is the essence of, of davening. Um, but although it is the essence, there is this entire lead-up that we've been learning about and that we say whenever we can, every day as we lead up to the Shemona Esrei. Um, we've mentioned, I'm sure, numerous times what the Zaihar says, that davening is the ladder that connects us to Hashem. Right? We have um, in Chumash, in the beginning of the Torah portion of Vayetze, that Yaakov Avino has that dream, right? when Yaakov is on the way down from, um, from Be'er Sheva, from his father Yitzchak and his mother Rivka, and he's on the way down to Lovon and he stops off on the Temple Mount and he sleeps um, and he has a dream. And in his dream, he sees the ladder. He sees the ladder that its uh, feet, so to speak, are standing on the earth, planted on the earth, and its head is in the heavens. And that's where the Zohar makes that famous concept, Sulam Da that the ladder, that's really davening. And just like the ladder, is, says, is planted on the ground, but its head is in the heavens, that's what davening is for us. We're all, in a sense, planted in the ground. We're physical people. Um, we're material people. And we're here. And davening is that ladder in which we try to go upward and to connect to that which is above, connect to Hashem in heaven. And kabbalistically, and this is something we've discussed in the past, I just want to re- review this quickly as we begin Shema that Kabbalistically, that ladder has four rungs. There's four basic rungs to that ladder. And those four rungs are, um, represent or connect to the four basic worlds. You know, again, in all teachings of Kabbalah and Hasidus, that there's four basic worlds um, that are the chain from the most godly to the most, to us down here. And they are called the worlds of, the highest world being Atzillus, or emanation. The next world being the world of Bria, which is creation. Then you have the world of Yitzira, formation, and Asiya, which is action. And we live in what's called Olam HaAsiya HaGashmi, the physical world of action. But above us, there is again, those those four levels of the world of Asiya, Yitzira, Bria, and asilus Every neshama also has those parts to them. Way back in Davening, when we were still in the beginning of Bruchus, probably a year and a half ago, so we discussed one of the first brachas we say every day is the Elokay Nishama. we talk about the Neshama that we have and there we say we say it every morning Neshama shanasata bi tahorahi the Neshama that you gave me is tahor ata barasa you created it ata yatsarta you formed it ata nafachta bi you blew it into me so again we have the four expressions the Neshama is tahorah the Neshama is pure the Neshama is barasa created Yatsarta formed, and Nefachta blown into me. These are the four levels of Asilos, Briya Yitzir, asia, as the neshama travels down from its initial state of being part of Hashem. Right? Every neshama, as, as, it's, as it's written, neshamas are ultimately um, part of Hashem himself. And then they come down through that chain of worlds until they come into us. So when we're davening, it's our neshama picking itself up towards Hashem. Or, or touching, reaching deeper within ourselves to the higher levels of our neshama. Um, and in fact, the way it's broken down in our davening, I, I think we said once that in some sidurim, on the top of the page, it says which world that particular part of davening is in, or, or re- relates which to Which new
1: song?
0: It's in, Sf- in, in the sidurim of Sfarad the Svarb uh, Sidurim, so, Sidurim that are very are, are more Kabbalistic. So there it will say, for example, Hodu section is in the world of Asiya. We'll explain soon why. The de um, Zimra, which is the whole Ashrei and Baruch Omar and the Halalukahs and Ashrei and through Yishtabach, that's in the world of Yitzira. Shkriyashma, um, together with the Brachas before and afterward, is all in the world of Bria, and Shmona Esre is in the world of Atzilus, the highest world. Um, what are these four worlds in simple in simple words in our relationship to Hashem, and how do they relate to these different parts of davening leading up to Shmona Esre? So, in a, in a very again the, the, the world is obviously there's so much to talk about, but in breaking it down to in a um, in a practical way in our avodah, there is connecting to Hashem. The, the level number one, how we connect to Hashem, is in a way of we submit to what He wants, and that's called Hodah. Huda is like I'm Moda. I I admit. I uh, submit, right? Not necessarily do I feel so much or do I understand so much? Just submission. Like we say, what's the first nasa and ishma. We'll do what Hashem wants. It's
1: not acknowledgement.
0: It could be considered acknowledgement. It could be submission. Um it's, it's a basic level of being mivatil, nullifying myself, to Hashem, right? And that is the, in the world of Asiyah. The, the, low, the lowest of worlds, this most, the most physical world, is this world. When we connect Hashem, it's just to do what Hashem wants, right? Hashem says to do A, I do it. I might appreciate it, I might not. I might be inspired, I might not be inspired, um, I might understand, I might not. It doesn't matter. I'm submitting to His will. That is a very first, important, and basic part of our relationship with Hashem, and that's the relationship that we start out with. That's step number one, and that's why that was the first thing: Nasa, Nasa, and Number one is we submit to Hashem's will. That is really the beginning of davening, and that's. I'm sorry.
2: Doesn't also come from a certain kind of relationship though even let's say when they said Nasa sevenish Ishma there was before that the whole process of Kriyasi
0: then. That's a good point uh, there's no there's no question and there's we'll see where where this type of submission comes around again on a higher level but the first thing when I when I wake up in the morning and at that point I'm not very inspired necessarily and my relationship whatever I felt yesterday is sort of gone because now I'm just starting fresh again so that's why, and again, we discussed the first word of our day is "moda ani lefanekh." Moda again is just submission. I'm not yet inspired, I'm not enthused. I'm not anything. I'm just I'm a yid, and there's Hashem, and I submit to Hashem's will. So that's how we start our davening. That's the "moda ani." That's the "hodu la kiru vishmo." Those two words are synonymous. "Moda ani" and "hodu" they're both the beginnings. One is the beginning, right, first thing in the morning. One is the first word of of the sitter of of davening proper and all of that is again connected to the lowest of the worlds the world of asia the world the word the word, the word Asiya means ma- masat to action just to do the right thing many times we tell a person or we tell ourselves i'm not in the mood i'm not enthusiastic i'm not inspired let me just do the right thing right even without anything else just do the right thing again we'll tell that to children and we'll tell it to ourselves when necessary that Step number one, basic, is do the right thing. That's hodu. I will do what Hashem says. However, that's only step number one. The next step upward, and that's connected with the world of Yitzira. Kabbalistically, the world of Yitzira is the world where Hashem's midos are most felt. Um, To quote the Zohar and brought in Tanya, it says... Um, which literally, that's Aramaic, which means the six spheros or the six midos. They nest in the world of Yitzira. Um, when I say the sixth midos, I'm talking about chesed, Givura and teferis, kindness, severity, and beauty. Netzachod and yesod. Victory, um, slender, and foundation, whatever each one means. But those are the six midos. And the place of the Midos is the world of Yitzhiroh. Um, in Tanya, in chapter 39, the Altered talks about that malachim, angels are primar- primarily, the primary function of angels are Midos for kedusha. Um, there's the angels of Ahava, the angels of Yira, right? There's, there's really different, um, you know, there's myriads of, of angels, but there is the angels that are led by Michoel, and Michal is called the, the prince or the, uh, or the minister of mayim, of water, or chesed, kindness. And all of the malachim that are in the, in the uh, hosts of Michal are malachim of chesed, of ahava. And they are <laughs> always singing Hashem's praises. And they're, they're all about Hashem's kindness and benevolence and chesed. Then you have the malachim that are in the hosts of Gavril. And Gavril is called Sarshal Esh, the minister of fire. And that's Givura, Hashem severity. And those Malachim are more feeling the fear, the trepidation, the Bittol. And that's Givura feelings. But Malachim are primarily related to Midos, Midos of Kedusha. And that's why the primary station, the primary world of Malachim is the world of yitzira. Right? Um, It's pretty close to us. Yeah, it's not that far. It's not. He's saying it's not so high as far as levels are concerned, right? Right, they're not. So, the primary place for malachim is the world of Yitzira. and they are primarily um midos oriented. Now, the part of our davening that's midos oriented is psuke de zimra, which is from which again we spent a number of weeks on Psu- from Baruch Sha'amar, through all the Ashray and all the Hallelujahs until Yishtabach. What does Zimra mean? Song. Song is emotions. Song is developing and inspiring and, and, and creating and awakening feelings of emotions, talking about the greatness of Hashem and the beauty of Hashem and the creation of Hashem. And it's really that second section of Davani that's devoted to awakening feelings, inspiration, emotions in our relationship to Hashem. And that's what song is about. Sukhe de Zimra. Um, we have uh, Shabbos Shira, the ta- there's the Shabbos of song, and, and there's song in the Torah. Song is all about emotions, about awakening those emotions and expressing those emotions. And that's the second rung on the ladder as we're working our way up way in Davana. Right? So we started with Hodu, the world of Asiya, which is submission, action. We moved on to Psuke de Zimra, which is song, um, emotions developing and awakening our emotional relationship to Hashem. And that is the world of Yetzirah. As we work our way to the next rung of the ladder of Davening, that's the world of Bria. Which of Hashem's Spheros are primary in Bria? Is the intellect of Hashem primarily Bina, which is understanding? And understanding is more powerful than emotion. Why is understanding more powerful than emotion?
1: Because you can control your emotion with you the other right understanding.
0: Good. The understanding is really the controller of emotions and the creator of emotions. Really what sets aside a adult from a child is that the child just has emotions. I like and I don't like, I want and I don't like. And an adult is able to have the maturity to understand and therefore know what to like or what not to like and what to do and what not to do. Um, really that's in many ways the difference between a human being and an animal. The human being has intellect, is able to think and understand. Um, and therefore decide what emotions are good and what emotions are bad and what emotions to follow and what emotions are not to not follow. And when it comes to Hashem, we want to not only have emotions, I love Hashem, but to contemplate and understand and connect to Hashem in a way that is, that is um, very internal and based on our highest of our faculties, which is our seichel, our understanding. The Pasik says, Da SLOK of your God, the of they who believe of Shalim, and then serve him with all your heart. So first there's da, there's knowledge. That's and that's why we learn. That's why we're 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 people who try to learn and try to understand. Because when we understand, then our emotions are also follow our understanding. But it seems
2: like the, the emotions
1: are deeper.
0: It's true. And that's, that's correct. The emotions are animalistic and are more powerful and are more intense. And therefore they bring a tremendous amount to the table that understanding doesn't. But understanding has to lead them. And understanding has to be that make that the emotions shouldn't run wild. So it's almost like, it's almost like to give a very physical example of a person and an animal. So an animal has more power than a person animals are more powerful. But if the person is not guiding the animal, that power doesn't take you anywhere. It'll be very destructive. But if the per- person saddles the animal and takes it in the right way, so the animal will bring the person a lot further than the person and faster than the person can go on their own. When, we, when our intellect saddles our emotions, our emotions takes us to places that our intellect on its own can't. But intellect is a human power. It's a higher power. It's a it's a um, it's a power that helps us make decisions better and understand what's right and so on. So that's why the passage says, "Da Based on how much we'll know, that's how our, how much our hearts will serve Hashem as well. Our our knowledge helps. So that's the world of bria, the third of the rungs, and that's kriyas shema and the brachas before and after, where we reflect. Shema Yisrael, we reflect on our relationship to Hashem. And what Hashem is and what Hashem is to us. And therefore we awaken the feelings with all our hearts as we discussed when we did Kriyashma. That's the third rung. Okay? So we started on the bottom rung. That's the world of Asiyah. That's the first rung. And that's action, doing what Hashem wants. We move up to the world of Yitzira, which is emotions. de We move up to the world of Bria, which is... Excuse me. The world of Bria, which is intellect, and that's the Shema. The Shema and the Brachas, before and after. And then we come to the highest world, which is Atzilus. What's, what's after that? What's after intellect? If we had basic submission, if we had emotions, and we have intellect, what's next? In our relationship to Hashem. And Atzilus is the ultimate bitul, the total, um The total when one feels totally nullified in the presence of Hashem. And that's really what shmonesrei is. Shmonesrei is, as we see, even in halacha, shmonesrei is said quietly. It's Not a time for singing. Why not? Singing is such a beautiful expression of love for Hashem. We sing during davening, different parts. Not in Shmon Shmonesrei is quiet, silent. Shmonesrei is standing. In shmonesrei, there's no moving. In halacha, it says when a person is davening shmonesrei, one is supposed to feel, to quote the Gemara, kaavda kame like the, like the servant in front of the king. Total bittle. I'm only here as an agent of Hashem. So when we relate to Hashem, there is the basic submission, there is awakening feelings and happiness and passion and desire and love for Hashem, there is our understanding, and then there's where a person comes to a state of just realizing that Hashem is my is melech, my is my king, and I'm standing be- before him like, like a servant before their king. And at that point, it's not about emotions, it's not about intellect. It's about totally being mivatal myself, totally nullifying myself before Hashem. And that's when we come to Shmonesrei, that's the highest world, the world of Atzilos, Um, in which really, if you talk about the build of the Spheros, the Sphira in the world of Atzilos is Chachma. which Chachma according to Hasidus, is Koachma, which is the bitl that we have. In the world of, of, of Brio. You have Bina, which is understanding, and then you have the, the, the Midos. The world of atzilos is that total bitl to Hashem, and that's what shvuneser is. And again, shvuneser definitely is the pinnacle of our davening, where we come to that level. We've awakened the feelings, we've sung the sang the songs, and we've thought what thoughts. Now it's just bitl to Hashem, and we say these eighteen brachos quietly with our feet together. We don't um, we don't stop for anything, right? Even whatever happens in Shmona is not a, one is not allowed to be sick, one is not allowed to talk or move or do anything really we say the entire Shmona Esrei yeah
1: it's not Shmona the first and the second bittle. You said Modani is bittle. Excellent. And then, and then the Shimon Ester is is also. again
0: bittle. What's the difference between the first bittle and the final bittle, or the lowest and the highest?
1: I mean, in, uh, I mean, in realistic terms. Like how does it affect us? Right,
0: right, right. right. That's uh, that's a great question. Great question. They're related because they're both, they're both bittle, but they're very different. There's a very very basic bittle which is, I know that he's in charge, I'll do what he wants. Though I'm not in the mood, though I'm not inspired, though I'm not. So it's based on my lack of connection, inspiration, knowledge. But Hashem is the king. I know that, I accept him. It's commitment before anything. Right. There's no feelings, no understanding of anything, but I'm committed. I woke up in the morning, I'm not inspired, but I know I'm a Yid, and there's Hashem. Then there is, I did awaken the feelings and I do understand and I everything and then I come to a level beyond all that of Bittl. It's a whole different type of nullification. It's not a bittl based on lack of relationship or lack of feeling or lack of understanding. It's the Bittl that comes after relationship and feeling and understanding. It's, the, it's when, I, when everything is there and I realize that everything pales in comparison to just it's Hashem and I put everything aside for Him. So they're both bital, but one Bitel is before everything, or what might be called in Hasidic terminology, it's called a bital lemata mitam vadas. In other words, lower than thinking, I didn't think yet, I didn't understand yet, I didn't feel yet. And then there's bital lamaila mitam vadas, after everything. After I do understand and I do feel, but I recognize that my connection to Hashem is beyond all my understanding and feeling. I put everything away just and, 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 I, and I am butthled to His will. So one is one is the very basis of everything and one is the pinnacle of everything.
1: Realistic terms, what does that mean? Like um, whatever happens in our life, just to be accepting, <coughs> is that what you're saying?
0: That's one, that could be, I mean, there, there's, could, be, there could be many correct answers to that question. That's one way of, of way It's I'm one gonna... correct angle of it. Um, it's, it's ultimately about feeling that beyond all of my feelings and inspiration and desire, There's something much greater than me that I'm just, I'm just Hashem's servant. Um, The greatest.
1: It's not nullification of your ego because then you get depressed.
0: Well, there's negative ego and there's positive ego. It's nullification of the negative ego. Right. Um, It says, it says that.
1: (sighs) psychologists psychologist over (laughs) there. Does this sound vaguely familiar? I mean, but people have, you know, if they have, don't have self-esteem and they don't have good egos
0: and... No, no. Self este- self-esteem is a good thing, but ego could be a dangerous thing. It's one of those double-edged swords that you have to know how to use it properly. It Balanced. could be wonderful and it could be very terrible. <coughs> a person who's egotistical because that is oh, yeah. could be very difficult. So you have to know how to how to balance that.
2: I, would, I was thinking, like, tell me, you know, if, if this is on the right line, but... Um, We talk shalom lishma, bo That, like, at the beginning, you know, let's say you get wake up in the morning and you're like, you're doing this because you know this is the right thing to do. Even like what you said, Rabbi Silverberg, you don't feel it. You don't, you know, you're just not in the mood. And then sometimes what happens is, like, once you start doing it, you get into the mode or whatever it is, and then you realize, you know what? You know, this is, like, it becomes lishma, Like, this is the right thing to be doing. And I'm feeling it more, and and um, I mean, I I am not I can't I would love to give you a practical example, I'll talk a little bit about it, but sometimes when you like you do things that you're not so thrilled about that once you do them you realize you know like this is the right this
1: is the right thing is, the right but it, it doesn't that necessarily about be such a high level talk about spiritual things no so. you were saying about practical I know uh-huh. but I'm saying when you're talking now about spiritualism, doing the right thing spiritually you know even if it's a mitzvah that you're not so thrilled to yeah, do yeah but it's still a spiritual thing because it's a mitzvah or, even though if it's a physical thing that you're performing it's right. ultimately a spiritual thing because it's
2: but then you realize, like, afterwards, yes, this was a good thing to do. I'm connecting to Hashem. And and, um, and you, I think you reach a higher level. And I was just like when you were saying about how is it practical in
1: your day-to-day life. Um, kind of a... I meant the Bittl part. I wanted to know about that.
0: Some of the two levels of Bittl. The basic Bittl and the ultimate Bittl.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, I know some people are really into that Bittl thing, but... I. It's, it's a little bit vague for me to. It's a concept that okay. I have to understand. I
2: okay. think it's really letting go. And to me, it's letting go and like knowing that you're not in control of everything in our lives. Right. Well, That's why I, I always think of bit as that, but sometimes, many times, we're in situations and we just have to say, I'll say, Lakey, you just have to let this go right now. If it's not working out the way it's supposed to, or someone's behaving a certain way, like, you have to let go of certain things. We can't be in control of everything. I don't know if that is Bitzel too. Is that Bitzel, but is that
1: Bitzel if it's just like a practical thing that you're letting go? I mean, I felt like, for example, in business or something, like not, in the past, I remember something happened with my husband's business. And um, I was just we just realized, you know, I'm not in control of this. It's up to God and that's it.
0: Again, Bittl has is going to have a lot of different faces to it and a lot of different expressions to it. And of course, this is an expression of Bittel When a person recognizes that there's something greater than me and something that ultimately I submit to that, and that's, that's what it is, that is one expression of Bittel. we're going to see as we go through Shmanesres more and different types of expressions of that Bittel as well. But yes, of course that is. Of course that is.
2: But Bittel isn't not having self-esteem.
0: Not at all. No? No.
2: Bittel is having humility about the gifts you've been given, but
1: it doesn't mean it means humility. That's not, doesn't mean humility. No. Bitzel means, yeah, it's, it's a way like, of letting more of Hashem in the situation with pulling yourself back, no? Like humility about your gifts.
2: Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you can't have... Set the seat, right? An identity you can have an identity. you
1: know, have something to do with ego, or just have something to do with
0: ego? Again, the word ego also has two sides to it, right? Ego could be really bad. Well,
1: I'm ego could be good. Okay,
0: fine. So that's what we're saying. It's not. There's nothing against self-esteem over here. We're talking about letting Hashem into our lives and recognizing that He's. That he's taking us step by step. In fact, that might give me the best self-esteem to know that Hashem is running my uh, my ship. Running
1: the show. Yeah, so whether you admit it or not.
0: <laughs> there's an interesting halacha, an interesting halacha about Shman Esri, which is again the Sh is really strict about you know there's no stopping for anything. There's no, it says, even if a king comes by and there's a halacha to have the greatest respect for a king and so on and so forth. But if a king were to ask me how I'm doing during Shmanasray, one should not answer unless, of course, one would be the endangering mm-hmm. their life. Bekuach nefesh It's not one of the three cardinal sins that one should be given their life for. But for any area of respect or convenience or anything, one is not allowed to stop in the middle of the monastery because you're standing in front of the king. So there's interesting Mishnah which says that if one is down in the monastery <laughs> and there is a um, snake that's wrapping itself around your. <laughs> your feet. Now, so again, if you might be a poisonous snake and your life is in danger, then there's no question. How
1: are you supposed to know? It's okay, snake
0: so, snake right? okay, so okay, yeah, so it. It's,
1: it's, you, know, yeah. you, you have to be a snake. So it see,
0: it seems that in the time of this Mishnah in in, in Jerusalem, where the Mishnah was written, snakes that. by and large were not poisonous. Oh. That's what it seems from that Mishnah. Mm-hmm. So it says, <laughs> Even if there's a snake that's you know, s- slowly wrapping yourself around you. Don't stop.
1: Well, both don't be stop? poisonous, but they kill you by squeezing you to death. Again,
0: if we're talking about a situation where life is in danger, there is no question. We're not talking about that. However, the Mishnah says, but if a, if a scorpion is crawling around your feet, yes, then you is. should stop and go somewhere else. That's what the Mishnah says. Now, the simple understanding of that Mishnah is, again, that in that time, in Israel, in that place, Snakes were by and large not dangerous as scorpions were. So the Mishnah is basically telling us if it's a dangerous type of animal, you should stop, and if not, not. Right? But Hasidus has an interesting take on that and says there's really a, a very deep concept talking that's being told to us here as well. And that is that a snake represents there's something being alluded to here. And that is a snake has a venom. The venom of a snake is warm. What? Is warm. The venom of a snake is warm. The venom of a scorpion is cold. So, so, so the Rebbe explains the following. He says that in addition to the simple meaning of this Mishnah, we're talking about an internal type of situation. Person is davening Shmanas, Person trying to serve Hashem, and they feel negative warmth. That's the snake's venom. Negative warmth means warmth and passion to negative things creeping into my mind or my heart while i'm trying to dab so here i'm trying to serve hashem i'm trying to become a little more idle and a little more spiritual and instead my mind is taking me to negative non-godly warmths and passions that's what the snake's venom represents the um, the scorpion's venom represents coldness, which is apathy. So I just I'm cold to everything. I'm not excited about anything, not spiritual or physical. I'm just cold, which is worse. Which is worse, a person who feels negative attractions and passions, or a person who doesn't feel any passion whatsoever?
1: Worse the what sense? Scorpion? Scorpion? Which is
0: worse, spiritually? Scorpion. Spiritually. So spiritually, the scorpion is a lot worse. Because when a person is passionate, even if some of those passions might be misdirected, but there is life, there's life, there's passion, there's excitement, there's enthusiasm. When there's life and excitement and enthusiasm, that can be redirected for kedusha, for holiness. When a person is totally apathetic, not excited about anything, nothing turns them on, nothing gets them excited, nothing gets them nothing. So then they're missing their basic chayas, their basic energy. You can't transform something if it's not there. So the the Hasidic interpretation of that halacha is that when I'm trying to pray and trying to connect to Hashem and I'm feeling negative passions and desires, continue davening. Work on transforming those negative passions into positive passions. But when I feel I don't have any passion, when I don't have any, I'm just totally apathetic, that's when one has to really try to figure this out and take a little break and realize how can I awaken real passion in order to be reconnected to Hashem. It's almost like, you know, when you try to approach someone and try to get, the, you know, talk to them about doing a mitzvah or something. So some people will be very, no, I don't want, I don't want, I don't then you know there's someone to deal with. Because if they're so passionately um, angry about doing a mitzvah, there's something alive over there. But then you have people, oh, I don't care. The whole thing doesn't mean... They're a lot more difficult because you have to awaken some sense of life over there. And that's a, a, a explanation about halacha ba But back to the halacha, Shmonesri is that time. Again, ka'avda mari, like a servant before the king. We bow during Shmonesri as a symbol of that type of bittle, And that is what Shmonesri is interestingly, although I don't want to talk about that uh, now much, but the, the the davening, as we just pointed out, is that ladder, where you have the basic submission, the feelings, the intellect, and then the ultimate submission of Shmon Esri. But, it's wonderful to go up the ladder. What else do you have to do after you go up a ladder? Okay. You have to come back down, because we can't stay up there, right? We have the rest of the day ahead of us and we can't spend the whole day doing Shmon Esri. So, after davening, we have to, like, descend back into this world but the idea is to descend with some of those messages and feelings that we created during davening it's not like I'm going to daven and then the rest of the day is not connected I want to bring that down back into my regular day that's really the trick of davening that I, davening is this heightened state of connection to Hashem and, I, and again we ascend those steps and then to bring it down and really, if you look at our sitter, just like there is the rungs of the ladder going up, there is the rungs of the ladder coming down, and that's after Shemona Esra. Okay. After Shemona you have the same four rungs going down. And the way, again, today we're not going to explain them, but I'll just tell them to you. And that is, right after Shemona what's the first section? Is the tahanun. The Tachanun, and um, what's called the philosophy, the ashamnu and LeDavid, Hashem Hashem. That is the level of Atsilus, but on the way down. Just like there's Shmon which was the highest point on the way up, the tahanun is the first point on the way down. Right? That's followed by Ashrei and Uvalatzion, Right? That is commensurate with the Kriyashma. That's the world of Bria on the way down. Then you have the Shir Shalyom. That's like the Psuket de Zimra. That's song again. That's the world of Yitzira. That's the emotions. Then you have the Enkelokenu. Enkelokenu, and that is like the Hodu, which is the world of Asiya, And then the Aleinu is bringing it back down into this earth, just like the beginning of the Modani and, and Shun Esri, Aleinu Lushabekh, where we talk about that oneness of Hashem that will accompany us throughout the day until the next time we daven. So really, that's really the, the, the build of davening, the up, the ladder up, and then coming back down into the rest of the day, which is again the idea of and bringing that kedusha down into the day um, as we continue.
2: Which one is the
0: Yitzira? Yitzira Shir Shoyom. Shor, shir, shoyom. shir Shoyom, because that's Shir, just like the P'sukim mm-hmm. de mm-hmm. I just have a quick
2: halachic question about Shmone Esrei. When you say Shmone Esrei, is it supposed to be silent, or are you supposed to
0: hear your words? It is supposed to be silent, and you're supposed to hear your words. Correct. <laughs> In other words, you should, the appropriate way whisper, is the whispering? that, yeah, you could whisper. Your you supposed to hear. Your ears should hear the words that you're saying, yeah. In, a, in, a, in an undertone, it should be very silent. It's not about loud, but enough but that it, it definitely should be words that emanate from your mouth and therefore that your ears can hear. If you mouth the words and you didn't hear them with your ears, okay. you're yotze. You are yotze. Shmana Esri. Yeah, but you're
2: supposed to hear them.
0: Right, right, right lot
2: of quiet in a lot of
0: yeah. And that's interesting. I, I know that the, the people are very um, mahadir and the total silence of it. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it doesn't
2: seem mahadir. I know. I, I think.
0: Awesome. I, I think different shuls must have different customs about it, different ways. Oh. I know. Yeah. It, typically, in a more Hasidic shul, you'll hear like a hum during Shmona Esrei wow. of people just very silent doing it. But I know also when I in other shuls, and I, I tend to in that way, people are shh. Okay, so I have to take it down a little bit. I guess different different ways of different uh, people. But definitely in the, in the more Hasidic way is to st- definitely be able to hear low. You know, it's not no announcements. It's not for anyone else. But that one should hear what they're saying. That's correct. That's correct.
2: I have when one. you don't hear what you're saying, it's yeah. like you're not governing, I find. Like I can't tell if I just said it or not. It's too recessed. Otherwise, that's
0: a good way of saying it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like the lighting. Yeah, I know what you mean. You know, it's interesting. It says in Shulchan Aruch that there are certain people, there are certain people that in order to daven, it's more Kavanah, they have to say it a little louder to inspire themselves. Yeah. And it says in Shulchan Aruch that if one needs to say Shwan Esri louder to give them some more Kavanah, daven at home. Yeah. That's what it says. It says, because you don't want to disturb others, and it's a time when everyone is this, but it says clearly, it says that, that some people might need that, and that's fine.
1: If I feel that
0: I need to have more kavanah, and therefore I I have to say it louder, and I have to hear the words loud and clear, then one can't do that. Because it's, you know, ultimately we're looking for kavanah. So one has to train themselves to be able to do it in a way that will help them have a the Kavana when they daven.
1: Well, just double checking. Let's say we go to shul and it's getting late. Shul. It's more important to daven chakras than is musaf. Is that correct, or
0: no? Late. What I'm you, saying Shmona right. <laughs> why can't you daven shakras and musaf?
1: I'm at, I'm, I thought the chakras is more more tied to. Because musaf means something
0: in, in addition. But on Shabbos, on Shabbos, just like there's a halacha to and shachris, halacha and musaf. They're both basic halacha of Shabbos. shakhris is not more of a responsibility than musaf so on if Shabbos.
1: If I come in by musaf time, I should go say shakhris anyway first. And then musaf, yeah. What if I don't Musa, I can just go with musaf, and it's fine too. I'm saying terms of is shachris have more you. more. Uh, Sh- the
0: shmona esrei of shachris and the shmona esrei of musaf. On Shabbos are both an equal obligations. One is not more or less. When the Chazal instituted Shmona Esrei of Shachris, they instituted. Then on Shabbos we also say Shmon Esrei of Musaf. They're not one more than the other. Take Myriv for example as less than Mincha or Shachris, but Musaf is an equal footing as Shachris and Mincha. They're both the same institution of Chazal. Same Anshe Knesset Yisrael that instituted both. Okay, okay. Let's look quickly. I don't want to talk about. Maybe a couple of things quickly about the beginning of Shmona Esrei. Maybe two points that I want to make about Shmona Esrei. First of all, right in the beginning. We start Shmona Esrei. Again, the build of Shmona Esrei, Esrei we know is the word Shmona Esrei means 18. And that's because there are 18 blessings, 18 brachos to Shmona Their build is 3, 12, 3. Right? There is the first 3. And that is basic um, praise of Hashem. There's the final three, which is basic thanks of Hashem. And there's the middle 12, which is requests, bakoshes. Those 12 became 13, right? Um, we know that when it was initially instituted by the men of the great assembly read by, led by Ezra, so it was 18 blessings. But it was a couple hundred years later through the sage Rabban Gamliel, who added one more prayer, into one more bracha in the middle section, and that's the velah shinim, where he, um, he prayed for the destruction of the enemies of Kali Yisrael and the heretics and the, uh, really was the early Christians at that time. And that was Lam Shinim. So today's Shmona Esrei, even though the word Shmona Esrei stayed and that means 18, but it's really 19 brachos, three, 13, and three, right? The first three and the last three are there in every Shmona Esrei of the year. Shabbos, Yom Tov, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. The first three and the last three are always the same. The middle section, which is the 13 middle brachos, is what we, on Shabbos, we take it out and we put in for Shabbos. Rosh Hashanah, we have for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Tov, Yom Tov. The middle 13 is interchangeable. In a sense of during the weekdays, we say the middle 13, but on a Musaf prayer or a Shabbos or Yom Tov, we won't say the middle 13. The first one, the first bracha of all 19, which halachically is the most important one to have kavanah in. That's an important point. In, in, in simple, straightforward halacha, the most important to have basic kavanah of pira so of the words that I'm saying, is the first bracha of Shmona Esrei. The very first. Baruch atah Hashem until Magin Avraham. And it's important because, some, ironically, many times what might happen is, a person just starts davening, at some point in the middle of davening, I start having kavanah, because it takes time to warm up. But really, when it comes to Shmona Esrei, I, I should warm up before Shmona Esrei, because the beginning of Shmona Esrei, halachically, is very important to have kavanah. Mm-hmm. It's always important to have kavanah during davening, but especially the first bracha of Shmona Esrei. Now, the very first bracha is called Birchas Ha'avos, the bracha where we make mention right away of our avos. And that's as we begin, Actually, I should, really, I should really start from one line earlier. I'm sorry. I'm going to go back a moment. What's the line we say before Sh'mona Esrei? Before we start Baruch atah Hashem, we say Hashem Sifasai Tiftach Hashem, open my lips, literally, and let my mouth proclaim your praises. That's from Tehillim, and we say that before Sh'mona Esrei. Why? Why do we say that right before Shmona Esrei? Because really, that fits into what we were saying. Shmona Esrei is the highest level of Bittol to Hashem. So we're prefacing, we're saying, Hashem, open my lips and allow me to speak. It's like, I don't even have the feeling that I should be praising Hashem or asking Hashem. I'm asking Hashem, you gave us the mitzvah, you allow me to speak, and I'm really only expressing the praises that you are opening my lips to say. That's how we start. That's, so that, that very first line already tells us about Shemoneh Esrei, that statement of Bittu. We don't say that before any other tefillah. Yeah. That's only before Shemoneh Esrei. Hashem, open my lips. Let my mouth proclaim your praises. You're opening my lips. You're allowing me to speak. Almost like similarly, if I had come before a great king, I wouldn't start rambling. I would ask permission to speak. And only when the king allows, then will I speak. That's the first thing. Okay, but we start off by mentioning our office. Baruch atah Hashem, elokeinu, elokei our God, the God of our fathers. Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. The God of Avram, the God of Yitzchak, the God of Yaakov. And notice a lot of times Elokeinu here. Right? Elokeinu, Elokei Avosenu, Elokei Avram, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. Like five times we mentioned Hashem. We could have just said Elokeinu or Elokei Avos Ab- or something. My God, the God of my fathers, the God of Avram, the God of Yitzchak. There's a lot of repetition seeming right in those first words of Shemana Esrae. What's, what's it about? So here's the thing. We are very thankful. More thankful is, is an understatement. We appreciate how much we receive from our others. We know that our basic muna we receive from our others. Our neshama we receive from our others. And really, as, as Jews, we're very, very into our parents and our grandparents and our great grandparents, and we understand that it's a chain that links us back to the beginning, to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, and that we recognize that our gifts and our very Jewishness is an inheritance from Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov, and a lot of our emuna and our basic feelings and our love of Hashem is an inheritance from our elders. At the same time. We know that a person that only relies on what they received from their avos is something that's not very internalized within them. It's not connected with them. It's something I received versus something I worked on and I understand on my own. It's much deeper and much much more real to me. They're both necessary. On the one hand, we always talk about our ofes, and we always talk about our inheritance, we always talk about our ancestors, and we recognize that whatever we have, we got, only because we're connected to them. At the same time, we also understand that in order for our relationship to Hashem to be powerful, intense, and real, it can't only be what my ofes passed on to me. I have to work on it on my own to make it mine. We say, going back in our sitter when we talked about the uh, Shira Shalyam and the uh, Az-Yashir, we said, Zekayli ve'anvehu Eloke avi Menhu. Right? What do those words translate? Zekayli, this is my God. V'anvehu and I will beautify him. Eloke avi, he is the God of my fathers v'aromimenhu, I will exalt him. That statement is a very powerful statement. We relate to Hashem in two ways. He's my God, who I understand and I connect to on my own. And he's the God that my father passed down to me. And I'm connected to him through my fathers as well. It's two points in our connection to Hashem. What we received and what we worked on and internalized. We have our parents. Our parents taught us things. When we're little children, we learn things, we're taught things, and that's wonderful. But ultimately, we have to internalize them, and they become our own, not only what we receive. And that's where we start Nu veloke Avoseno. Our connection to Hashem is a double connection. He's my God. Lee. He's my God because I understand, because I feel, because I relate, because I want, because I understand. I only have that because it was passed down to me from my ancestors as well. And even then we say, Hashem connects to each person uniquely and differently. He, My God and your God is the same one God, but we connect to them differently. And that's why after we said, what do we say right after that? Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. Avram connected uniquely to Hashem. Yitzchak connected uniquely to Hashem. And Yaakov connected uniquely to Hashem. And all of us around this table, each one connects uniquely and differently to Hashem because each one is different. Just like a parent and a child. A parent has different children. So, I love all my children. Baruch Hashem. It should be that way. But each child's relationship is different. Why? Because each child is different. If each child is different, they relate differently. So after we say, Elokeinu, he's my God, then we say Elokei hey, Avosenu, He's the God of our fathers. Then we break it down, but He's not the God of all of our fathers equally. He connected to Avram in the way of Avram. He connected to Yitzchak in the way of Yitzchak. He connected to Yaakov in the way of Yaakov. And now I'm standing and down in Davnich Shem to Hashem. It's me and Hashem. It's the way Hashem connects to me and the way that I connect to Him. And that, those are our first words of the actual Shem talking about on the one hand our unique relationship with Hashem although at the same time appreciating and understanding it's only because we have parents and because we have ancestors til, til Avram Yaakov, Sarifka, that ultimately connect us in general. So they're both important parts of that connection to Hashem. And that's how we start when we talk about the greatness of Hashem. And we give the first bracha and we finish Baruch Hashem, magin Avraham, that Hashem is the shield of Avraham. Interestingly, although we started off with Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, ve'lokei Yaakov, so we talk that Hashem connects to Avraham, and Hashem connects to Yitzchak, and Hashem connects to Yaakov, but at the ending of that bracha we say, Mugin Avraham, the shield of Avraham, and there we single out Avraham more than Yitzchak and Yaakov. Um, interestingly, in Chumash, in Parshas, is it Lech Lech, lech or is it Vayira? In Parshas Lech Lecha, Lecha, Hashem tells Avraham, Anochi Mugin Lach. I am a shield for you. And that's where this comes from. Mugin Avraham, Hashem is the shield of Avraham. Because although Hashem connected each one of the Yaakov, there's something unique about Avraham, and Avraham always, first of all, he's the first Yid, and he's the one who gave us all the Neshama started from Avraham, and Avraham represents Chesed kindness and love and that connection. And that's the, ultimately the connection that uh, that perseveres, that carries through everything else. Um, Hashem has all the different attributes and we connect to all those different attributes, but it's through the attribute of Avram that Hashem connects to us, that we, that we ask, that, that we start Shun Asrei with, with um, asking for and um, emphasizing that midah of Hashem, of that chesed, of that kindness, that were that allows us to dive into Hashem and allows us to connect to Hashem and allows us, therefore, to go on to ask whatever we're going to ask through Rosh and That's the first bracha. Does this have anything to do with the fact when he was in Kivshan Ha'esh,
1: the Magen
0: Um Possibly, but that's not where it says it in the Chumash. You have to understand the story of Kivshan Ha'esh is actually not mentioned in the Chumash. Okay. The story of Kivshan Ish is mentioned in Medrashim. Okay. Um, the the Kivshan happened before. Before we meet Avram in the Chumash, with really,
1: Nimrod.
0: that's with Nimrod. All that is medrashim. It's true, of course, but the Chumash doesn't talk about that. The Chumash starts when Hashem comes to Avram and says to go up to to Eretz Canaan, um, and then he have the various tests. This Anochi Magenach is after Avram fights the battle with the four kings, um, and Avram was Avram uh, felt that uh, Hashem did such miracles for him that maybe he lost some of his merits. And there Hashem says, Avram, don't be afraid of Ram, I'll be your shield forever. And that's where that is said there in the Chumash. And that's, that's the first brach of Shem and And we'll carry on from here next class, Hashem. though I want to throw a question out, which is that next week we'll learn Hashem. that's Monday night, which is just a few nights before Purim, which is Wednesday night.